my name is Ray Binkowski. This is Small Business to Grow. Um, on today with Rich Brecklin. Uh, Rich is part of, are you still the Brecklin group? Sure. Sure. Nice. And we can, we can talk about why I asked that question in a minute. But when we look at people being successful in business, sharing best practices, Rich's story is an interesting one. If for no other reason, he chose to kind of exit stage left, a stable career, place of employment with good benefits, a pension, everything that comes with it. Rich was a police officer for how many years? Uh, 13. 13 years. So you were seven, seven years away from a pension. Correct. And decided you don't want to wait seven years for the pension that not only can you do something else outside of law enforcement, but you can do it well and probably make more money. Yes. So what, it, what, so what, why did you, why did you decide you wanted to do something different? Yeah. Uh, we kind of rewind back to when I got my license. So I always knew I wanted to do my own thing. I didn't know what that was. Um, I wanted to open a restaurant at one point. We were going to relocate, cash in everything we had and open a restaurant in Galena, Illinois, where we thought we were. And uh, neither one of us owning a restaurant, owning a business, and you know, one of the top businesses to fail, you know, seems like is restaurants. So why not buy a restaurant that was for sale in downtown Galena in a tourist market? Um, but for whatever reason, not for whatever reason, because someone smarter than me bought that restaurant and he ended up closing down the road. So that was put on the back burner and you know, it never actually took off. But then it got me thinking, like, all right, well, what else can I do? So a friend of mine was getting his real estate license, uh, another cop. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, mind you, I didn't know, I knew nothing about real estate. I barely knew even how to buy my own home that I was living in, but I knew nothing about what the job was. I thought, you know, you get your license and like you would show up to the office and they would, like hand you a file, you know, Hey, here, here are your houses. You get to go sell today. That, that's honestly what I thought. And almost like you're getting signed cases at work. Um, but that <laughs> I quickly found out that wasn't the case. Uh, so when I got licensed and, you know, I, the class was, was good. You know, I, I grasped the concepts, but I, I really took it as a joke and um, nothing serious about it. I really didn't know anything about how to get business. And I, I mean, I, I literally, I knew nothing. And it just sat, I just became another statistic of a, a person with a license. And you know, I did a few deals here and there. I think I had seven my first year, which isn't bad for a guy who doesn't know anything and, and didn't know how to get business. So looking at that, so you're, and I think that's probably the norm. Somebody says, well, I don't really like or love what I'm currently doing. I can make a lot of money in real estate. So I'll just go do that. And then I'll make a lot of money, but seven homes, it's probably not enough to raise a family, support a family, pay your bills. How did you kind of transition or make the decision to exit a career that is a, a government job, a municipal job. You know, you know you're going to get a paycheck every pay period. Uh, you know you're going to have insurance, health insurance, and you know you probably have access to a pretty decent retirement package. How did you reconcile or square the decision with seven homes sold and I'm going to quit my job? How does that happen? Yeah, <laughs> well, it wasn't that year. Uh, so I was a local brokerage I was at. I switched brokerages. 
And then I also kind of had a mindset shift. And I started, you know, talking to people who were doing bigger things, thinking bigger picture. And I, I never hated the job I was doing. I love being a cop and I just knew I wanted to do something else. And I looked around and I saw a lot of other cops that were older and I just see them counting down the days of retirement and always bitching and complaining, but never doing anything about it. And to me, that was so uh, annoying and frustrating. Like, listen, I, you get one chance to do this, you know, life. And if you're not that happy or pissed off, then do something about it or just, or just shut up. But I swear I was never going to be that person. But I, I changed my mindset of like, all right, I don't want to be just uh, you know, the Yahoo with a license. Let's see what I can do. And then still, I'd only sold 10 homes the year prior. But I decided and I told my wife, like, listen, I'm going to put everything into this and create actual, make it a career. And I'm going to leave the, the police department. It was going to be January one of 2019 that was my goal date and i set this uh i think it was february of 17 i set that goal so i pretty much gave myself two years to get that done yeah in the pd i was uh, a detective i loved what i was doing uh i was next up to be promoted to sergeant when i left i was making over a hundred thousand a year you know pension benefits life was good um like i said i, I didn't hate what i was doing I just knew I wanted to do something bigger. I wanted, you know, I was tired of working for someone else. You know, the harder you work, uh, the more work you get. And just, uh, it, it just gets annoying working for someone else sometimes. So you kind of started to realize that first you wanted to do something for yourself. Second, like most, if not every one of us, that's an entrepreneur. Hey, I, I, you know, the harder I work, the more work I get and my, earning potential doesn't go up with the more work. I just get to do more work. At some point I might make more, but there's no, you know, it's not a direct relationship between more work, more money per se. And then I, I think you touched on something. You, you started to maybe socialize with people that saw things differently. Mm -hmm. Bigger yep. picture, bigger opportunity, bigger business. Talk a little bit about that. Cause I think that's significant. Yeah, I remember when I was in this, uh, I was a course or a class or something, and I was sitting with some agents who, you know, selling a few hundred homes a year and just in conversation, they're like, well, why don't you quit? I'm like, quit? Like, that's, I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And they're like, you just converted. I remember I just called my first for sale owner, it was a doctor and I ended up converting. He listed with me, like, they said, you just got a doctor to sign a listing with you. What are you doing? I'm like, ah, oh, I need, you know, you always think you're that perfect time. You need so much money, you need so much you know, whatever, and it almost becomes analysis paralysis. But the people who I was following and some mentors I found completely changed how I looked at things. So when you look at, so you, you mentioned mentor, so I'm guessing real estate mentor, real estate coach, some people that had probably done what you're trying to accomplish. As we like to say at Small Business to Grow, instead of reinventing the wheel, just go get the wheel and start rolling. So it, did you use a real estate coach mentor that kind of held you accountable and helped you set goals and then held you accountable to a plan to reach them? Yeah, I did. Uh, so I had a mentor and he pretty much laid it out. Here's what to do. Follow this you know, recipe and you'll create success. You know, it's not going to be overnight, but I knew, you know, that was it uh, tiny ass hinges swing big ass doors. So just took little steps each day and made sure I did something. And really the schedule is what uh, created the opportunity for me to leave. 
So what, when you look at that, what was the outcome? So you sold 10 homes, you're, you've attended some conferences and classes, you've been around people that have sold a few hundred homes. Now you get a coach or a mentor in the real estate space. What was a, a year later, how many homes did you sell a, a year after working with a mentor or a coach? What were your numbers like? I want to think I sold 18 and then I went to 34. So decent. I mean, that's almost 100% mm -hmm. more than, I mean, 10 to 18 is almost double. 18 to 34 is almost doubling. So it's definitely definitely improvement in forward progress. How many did mm -hmm. you sell the last year you were in law enforcement? 34. So that was 34. What did you sell the first year you were out of law enforcement? Uh, I sold 30. So it went down, which was uh, a little shock. And that's, I got a little complacent. Uh, so when I sold 34 that year, I was like, oh man, I'm great. Had a really great December. And I was like, oh, people aren't expecting, I'm not expecting to do this well. I wouldn't, my goal wasn't 34. So I was happy. And then uh, for a few months, I literally just kind of coasted. And I was like, all right, holy shit, I get it together. So that, and, and we see that a lot with entrepreneurs. We, we as entrepreneurs, I think, struggle to realize what's really pop possible for each one of us. And as a result, mm -hmm. we set an artificially low goal. And, and don't even really think much about whether or not we we could actually hit the low goal when the reality of it is if we set the higher goal we'd probably hit that one too so you looking back you probably did a little bit of that yeah and i don't even know if i truly set a uh, a real goal for closings and you know daily activities but <laughs> That's I even like, worse. Oh, i'm good and had some money in the bank yeah and uh you know lesson learned um but it woke me up moving on for, you know, last year's numbers. What were, what, so what were last year's numbers? How many homes? So uh, last year I ended up selling 56. So again, you know, not quite a hundred percent increase, but rather significant. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the, the mentor or coach, you said schedule. So what, what tools did the coach give you? And you don't have to give the secret uh, you know, sauce if there's a secret sauce, but what, what were the tools? Yeah, honestly, it just came, came down to picking, you know, the activities that leads to leads, the leads to appointments, leads to, you know, closings, to checks. And, uh, you know, at the time, I knew, like, all right, what can I do, especially when I was uh, still a cop, what can I do in this time I have available? Because I still worked a side job, too. So I'd get up, side job, real estate stuff, work. Um, but for me, it was, uh, the phones. So I would, I would pound the phones with you know, calling for sale by owners and expireds. And that's what I would do for, you know, two to three hours a day. And that's all. So I how do. many, how many calls would you make? Um, it was usually, I don't know, hundred to 150. Calls per day. Mm -hmm. And that's in, in calling like that. Anybody that's been in a position where they had to work a phone bank of some type, uh, work a lead list, especially if they're the new salesperson and they get handed a list of ice cold leads, which I think the for sale by owner, you and I have talked about this, they're, they're, they're potentially in the market to sell their home, but really they probably had a bad experience because they didn't sell their home and they, they might just say, forget it, but it's challenging. But that being said, your data says that if you make a hundred plus calls a day, you can sell 50 homes. 
Yeah, and it's not uh, – I remember the first time I was calling for sale by owners and I had all the sheets printed up and I had like three, peop three people or five people, whatever I was calling, and it took me an hour just to get through like calling because I wanted to, all right, get all my research done. What am I going to say? All right, I'm going to do this. And uh, no one even answered, so it was a waste of time. So I, it, it, it sucks calling people at first, but once you get into it and realize and switch your mindset, like, all right, I'm not calling to beg for business. I'm calling to help someone because they might get another agent who is not going to help them. And, you know, if you truly think you're good at what you do, it shouldn't be an issue calling someone. Um, it's just, it's just another way to get business. It's not the only way, but, it, but so it, time, and it's, it for me. And it, it's kind of a shift in your, in your thought process, which is you're not calling as the salesperson. It sounds like you started to approach it as I'm calling as the real estate professional that can possibly help them. And that help mm -hmm. might mean that they, they hire you and list with you, but it might just mean you're the solution provider. Yeah. And there's plenty of people that told me to uh, fuck off and that's fine. You know, those, I, I would track that and you know, a fuck off might be $7 because when you, you start adding everything up, it makes it a little easier to get through your calls, your no's, your no answers and knowing like, all right, each conversation I'm making X just, uh, so that was pretty helpful. And there's probably, uh, you probably have some data that says for every no and for every fuck off, I, you know, every time I get this many of those, I get a home listed that I sell and close and I get paid. And that turnaround can, that allows you to look at it and say, every time somebody says that to me, I got paid anyway. So who cares? Yeah. And then I knew my numbers. Uh, you know, I knew what my, I think my answer rate, you know, depending on who I was calling was, you know, I hear from five to 10%, so not super high. Um, and then I would usually set an appointment for, for sale by owners for every, you know, depending 30-ish conversations. Um, and I was listing uh, about 75% of the people I would meet with. At the time, the market was softer, so there's a lot more for sale by owners, I feel, than there are right now, uh, which is kind of weird. Uh, but, and then, you know, in our market in Peoria, Illinois, you know, you could, you know, 60% of the listings would sell, feels like. Interesting. But that it's so even when we look at the market changing, and there's no question real estate market has changed, uh, there, there's little doubt. I don't think anybody would argue that some real estate markets, even in a, a good housing economy, are better than others. But that being said, and, and you're going to prove this out, we'll talk about this a bit later, kind of building that process, building that system you might have to tweak it, but having that work ethic, having a plan and a goal is going to work regardless of what geographic area you're in. Yeah. I just got through, all right, what can I do with uh, the time and resource and skills I have available and what do I want to do? And um, I didn't like door knocking. I really don't like open houses. So, you know, find something I can commit to and, you know, do it. And something that someone told me, you know, everything works and nothing doesn't. So just find something and be consistent with it. And I, I think that consistency thing is is huge. And I think um, cherry picking real estate, because that's what you do. A lot of folks look at it and think that that's going to be their side hustle and they're going to get rich or it's going to be the side hustle that makes them enough money to make the Cadillac or Mercedes payment. Well, they kind of skip past the part that, yes, you can make money selling homes, but it's still going to be work. Like you're going to have to, mm -hmm. if you don't want to make the phone calls, you're going to have to go and do the open houses or you're going to have to knock on doors. So 
you still have to work. Would you say that's true? Yeah. I mean, you just have to find something. Now, there's some people that have a huge network and database, but you still have to connect with them and build that relationship and put in, you know, the effort to let people know what you did or what you do. Um, for me, I found that was a little bit harder because a lot of my close people, um, you know, they knew what I, I was still a cop and I was busy and, you know, I was just doing it on the side. So I get it. Them not necessarily wanting to, to hire, you know, a part-time agent. Um, but I didn't let people know when I was talking to them, uh, strangers that I, I was a cop. I, I kept that seat. Well, one, I just didn't want to put it out there that I was a cop. And two, I just didn't want someone to think like, oh, I'm just hiring a part-time agent. But when it would come up, you know, I wouldn't lie if they asked me something. But I would just, you know, hit on the fact there's, you know, a lot of full-time agents with a part-time work ethic. And, you know, I'd kind of give right. them my my promise to them and to any client. If any time during, you know, our relationship, if they don't feel like I'm the right fit for them, then they can move on. You know, no, no no penalty, no nothing. Like if I'm not your guy, you can fire me if you want. So in, yeah. And I think, it, I think you nailed it again. There's full-time agents with a part-time work ethic. And as long as you're doing the work that's in their best interest, whether it's helping them find a buyer and getting the deal closed or helping them find the home and you're representing them as the buyer. And again, getting the deal closed, what do they care of what you do in your free time? I mean, as long as their mm -hmm. needs are being met, it's, I think it makes sense and why bring it up? So we, how much, how much backlash or how, how many people, how many naysayers were there? What was, what were the negative Nellies like when you were saying, Hey, I'm going to leave this job that I've been at, that I'm not terribly far from a pension. What was, what was it like navigating the feedback from others? So at first I didn't tell anyone, you know, just my, you know, my wife really, I didn't tell my close friends, my, not really my family. Um, you know, then as I got closer, you know, I told a few of my friends, um, but I still, I just didn't want to get it out. I just wanted to keep it in my back pocket. Um, you know, I told my family, I thought my family was going to be a little bit like my mom, dad. I thought they would be more, uh, like, Oh, like upset, not, not mad, but just, you know, they love the fact that I was a cop. I know they, you know, Peoria is pretty, uh, active <laughs> in the police world. Um, but they were full on support which is pretty cool. But then when I actually, you know, made that announcement and told people I was leaving, I remember one guy's like, I hope you know what you're fucking doing. You're a fucking idiot. I'm like, okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> we had just had our second kid. You know, my wife stays home with the girls. I've given up the pension, you know, hundred thousand dollars plus paid time off. Uh, you know, all the perks that come with working, you know, for someone or for a business. So yeah, there's a lot of people that are like, Oh, you know, there's a lot of people that fail. And then I didn't take a leave of absence either. Um, I, uh, I like, see, I'm bounced. And that's, I mean, that, that's kind of as Tony Robbins always used to say, and probably still says burn the boats, which is, yeah, when you get to the islands, you burn the boats. Means and, you're not, yeah. yeah. It means you're not going to take it real serious. I mean, if you, if yeah. you say, Hey, I quit, I'm done. You better make this work. You got two kids at home. Yeah, that's what uh, people who have a plan uh, B aren't really focused on their plan A. Right, because they don't need to be. So who cares? Right. So that's that's interesting. That was, it, it, yeah, it was. Uh, but for the most part, at least vocally, uh, a lot more people were supportive than would, uh, not. But I mean, especially in law enforcement, it's weird. There's a lot of negativity anyway with people. <laughs> I don't know if they're upset with themselves, but uh, it's just it's just kind of funny. That's in, in having quit more than one good paying job myself that had benefits and retirement, and everything else. I did have my share of people that were like, 
exactly what you said. I, I hope you know what you're doing. Do you know how much money you're? I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Like, I don't yeah. want 10 years from now, I don't want to be doing this. Right. And so many people get married to that pension. Um, and so I'm like, oh, at least stay to your 20. Now, if I stayed, because I had 13 years on. So if I stayed till I had 20 years, I would have gotten 50% of my pension at 50. And like, well, at least do that. I'm like, that's only, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars a month. They're like, oh, that must not be much for you. I'm like, no, like I'm thinking bigger than, you know, three, five thousand dollars a month from the government or from whatever investment. That's not uh, that's not what I want. So but now fast forward till to this year and last year, uh, especially in law enforcement, so many people have reached out like, hey, how do I leave? What do I do? How did you know um, you're so lucky? You know, we hate it here. And <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, I'm so happy that we did. However, you know, the dominoes fell into place that we ended up where we are. It's uh, it's so refreshing that we're not doing that anymore. Well, and so what's your what's your sales process like today? So you've evolved a little bit from just for sale by owner. And we'll, we'll talk about the move in a minute. But what's what did the process? Let's say Peoria. What was your daily system like? Yep. So my uh, daily I ask, schedule in Peoria, you know, my alarm would go off five ish get up i go to the gym shower eat i get to the office at uh around seven and then i would make sure everything's scheduled i know what i'm doing for the day then i would start calling for sale by owners at 8 a.m and expireds usually i start with the new expired listings now there haven't been many um so i would do that until uh you know i set appointments and then i would uh, do lead follow-up then work on uh, current deals and then back to lead generating or if I'm not on appointments. So it, it, it was pretty much, I mean, quite legitimately. And this is where I think entrepreneurs and even people in executive management struggle, which, you know, you, you built a system and every day you work the system instead of sitting there saying, well, I'm now self-employed and I'm an entrepreneur and I'm just going to sit here and this is just going to ring. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, now, I will it doesn't say work that, that this year more than ever, that phone did ring from people who uh, have been watching, like people who I had no idea, like, oh, we're friends with friends of friends. We see what you're doing. You're so great. So that has been a nice uh, like snowball effect. You know, the work I've put in, you know, being one of the few agents in our market that would do anything with like with video in Peoria, um, you know, that has paid off and people reaching out. And, you know, more of my business this year has came from, you know, sphere, sphere referrals, um, so that, that's been really nice of, you know, people reaching out to you that you don't have to convince them to work with you because they're, that's they're that. already seeing what you're doing. And, that, and there again, that's kind of one of the seldom talked about components of, of being successful, whether you're an executive working for somebody else and especially equally true for entrepreneurs, which is it's that three year overnight success. So it took three mm -hmm. years of you getting up hitting the gym, having a meal, taking a shower, driving to the office, making phone calls and people taking notice of what you're doing in the community. And then your phone started to ring. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was really nice for that to have where, you know, cold leads were not my main lead source this year. It was all mostly people that know me or I know them, or we have a mutual friend. But without all that, without the legwork on the front end, those that those 
opportunities wouldn't happen. Yeah, because I never would have been able to show that, you know, I am the guy for the job. Otherwise, you know, I just would have been another agent doing, you know, five deals a year. And that's and right on. In which case, you probably would have had to go back probably to law enforcement. I mean, that's. Yeah, screw that. That's, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. It's, and I, I think so many people miss that you're going to have to work and it's going to take time. But once you put in that time, it, you, your phones, people come looking for you and you, you had made a statement about that. What did you say in regards to once you're good, people come looking for you. And until then, what was that state? What did you say? Uh, yeah. I mean, I asked, without doing the prior work, people, you know, there's no evidence that I am good at what I did. And that was my mindset and not in like an arrogant way, but my mindset when I would get to work is I am the, I'm the best for the job. Like if, it'd be dumb for them not to hire me. Just because, I mean, on the back end, you see kind of what agents do or don't do. And there's some really great agents, but I know if they hired me that I was their best option to get their house sold. And you believe that? Yeah, 100%. And I I charged accordingly. And someone questioned me of why I charge a transaction fee. I'm listen, if I'm charging 7% and I'm keeping four and giving three, uh, that's because I'm I'm doing custom video. I'm doing, and I would have a, a list of things like show me an agent who's doing this and then we can talk. But I, I knew from what my colleagues were doing in our market that they weren't doing that or had no grasp of it. Cause I was trying to teach them how to do it to help their business. So I felt there's no, like I said, it wasn't uh, a me versus them. It was just my mindset of, of I'm, I'm going to work as hard as I can and you know, to benefit my family. Especially you're, when COVID gonna, first first kicked off. And how did how did what did COVID do to business? Uh, co- and not I mean COVID was not good, obviously for a lot of people, but uh, COVID was uh, fantastic for my business. Um, a lot of agents. So remember, there was a in my office. There was uh, it was empty, and an agent called me. He's like, "Hey, are you going to the grant meeting?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Oh, they're at the local board. They're having a meeting on how you can get a grant." I'm like, no, I'm going to go uh, get to work and make my own grant money. Have fun. And then <laughs> it, that was just my mindset. I'm like, all right, who, and I, again, I don't mean this in like an arrogant way, but my mindset is who can I put out of business today? Whose client can I take? Again, not that I was taking clients, but that was just how I went up because I had big goals and I knew we wanted to move and I knew what, you know, our financial goals were. And, uh, you know, I'm not blessed with any great skills or, you know, talents. And, and, and yet, I think your your mindset has allowed you to be successful. You're smart enough to not reinvent the wheel, i.e. hire a coach or a mentor. So I'm guessing you paid that person for their time. Yep. And, and a lot of people are like, well, I don't, I don't need to spend the money. I already know all that stuff. But it's, it's in part the knowing. In large part, it's the accountability and the execution. So I think you're smart enough to do that. You're smart enough to believe enough in yourself that say, hey, I'm going to give more. I'm going to serve the clients in my market more than the next person. And I believe that. And I'm, I'm worth the money they pay. I think that's huge. Even uh, when we had our brick and mortar business and at any given time, 12, 16 employees, I, I would say that I'm like, well, do you believe we're the best in our market? Well, yes. Well, then why would you not? Be excited about sharing that with somebody. Why let them go down the road and get 
a less of a quality experience. If we're the best at it, you believe that, we'll say that. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, hey, we're, yeah, we cost a little bit more. Here's what you get. Like, look at you. We will do all these things for you. So I, yeah, I, and that's, a lot uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's true. Otherwise, what are they doing working there? Exactly. And that was usually my next statement was, if you don't believe we're the best at what we do in this market, then why are you here? Mm-hmm. Because uh, go down the, go to the other, go, go to the competitors. Ray Binkowski, Small Business to Grow. I'm here with Rich Bracklin. Rich has made a very um, significant career change from law enforcement to real estate professional. He's been successful doing that uh, initially, predominantly in the Peoria, Illinois market. And then most recently, Rich has decided that the grass is greener in Arizona. So a couple of weeks ago, he rooted his whole family up, including his dog, and said, we're moving to Arizona. So now, Rich, not only did you have the guts to say, I'm going to walk away from a a really good job and incredible benefits, and I'm going to dive headfirst into real estate, of which I know nothing about, but now you moved into a new market. Not even just a new market, but you moved a few states away. I mean, it's so different there. You don't even have a lawn. You got rocks. Right. Yeah. The grass. There, there is no grass to be green. There is no grass. There's rocks. Um, yeah. So yeah. It's uh, it's crazy. So how? Like, I mean, I understand. In I, I probably have an idea of why it made sense to move, but but not not even so much the specifics about why. Like, what's it like to make a decision to exit a career? that pays well, has great benefits, but then also a few years later to decide you're going to move across the country. Yeah. When I, uh, like when I take a step back sometimes and look at that, it's like, Holy shit. Like that's a, it's a lot of risk we've taken. And uh, it's just, I mean, it's kind of crazy to walk away from, you know, a steady career, a job that people, a lot of people are, you know, apply for to get, to leave that. And then, you know, go into real estate and be, you know, doing well in Peoria, where you know I made over three hundred in twenty twenty, and I was on pace to do uh, much better than that if I were to stayed there all through twenty twenty one. So I mean, pretty good money in an area where the median house price is one hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. Yeah, and then to relocate sixteen hundred miles away in one of the most competitive real estate markets in the country, um, with eighty thousand agents here, uh, <laughs> no big deal. I pretty much have no sphere of influence. And, you know, starting, say starting over, starting again. So it, in like, yet you did it. So being aware of that, you did it anyways. Why'd you do it anyways? Good question. Because my wife, it was her idea. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, you know, so there is no one, you know, people ask like, oh, why'd you move to Arizona? Why Arizona? And there isn't like, there isn't one reason like, oh, because a family or a job reload or whatever. Like, there's just a lot of little things. One, uh, you know, Governor Pritzker is Illinois' governor. So that's, he's, <laughs> he's a great referral partner. Uh, <laughs> Illinois has got its own issues with, you know, the economy. My taxes were, you know, $9,000, $8,000. 
it's just there's it just wasn't we didn't see our kids like a huge future for them there i was like all right what are they going to do here you know we loved where we lived but my daughter had a, a class of six and peoria you know they have you know 20 30 homicides a year of a town of 110,000. it's just we just wanted something more and more opportunity for the girls and honestly uh, winter gets old it just gets depressing in illinois and I don't know, just I didn't want to wait till I was uh, old and shriveled up until everyone else moves to Arizona. And, and yeah, and yet, so having known a lot of people in your pr- prior profession, uh, I reside in Illinois and I share a lot of the same sentiments. And still, I have a lot of neighbors, I have a lot of friends that they will say the same things and they'll never leave. Yet you did. Yeah. I think that's huge. Yeah, and it's kind of like why I love law enforcement. And some of you would, would just bitch and complain, but never do anything. I'm like, well, if you hate it that bad, just leave. Like, oh, we can never do that. Like our whatever, our friends and our family. And I never want to be the person who use my kids as like an excuse or, you know, like, oh, we could, we'd love to, but our kids have friends here. I'm like, to me, that's kind of shitty and I don't know, just, I don't know, ballless. <laughs> You say that like I get it like yeah we'll, we'll have that conversation with our kids like yeah they wanted they would love probably to stay at home and be close to their grandparents but uh I mean it's it may sound selfish but it's not my it's not the grandparents lives it's not our friends lives it's our life and you know if my kids want to move back to Illinois and they're old enough then they can do that when they're 18 years old and I think that 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 mindset I think is common among entrepreneurs which is you know I, I'm gonna look at the, the picture in its entirety. I'm going to take into account um, grandparents are not in Arizona. I'm going to take into account our kids, but at the same time, I'm going to take into account myself and I'm going to be willing to make some decisions to do the things I want to do today, not in seven years when I've retired and have access to a pension and not when I'm in my sixties and maybe, you know, saddled with a number of health conditions, like I'm going to get it out there and I'm going to do it today now. Yeah. And how many people like maybe that 60th doesn't come, they get sick or, you know, or maybe we try it. Like, you know what, this isn't for us, but at least we tried it. We know instead of always wondering, like, Oh, what if, what if, what if it's like, I, I never want to be a, what if kind of guy. Um, and especially with COVID, it really taught us that we can communicate and live really well without seeing people face to face. So with, you know, Zoom and every other bit of technology, and you know, a plane ride back to Illinois is three hours. And it's doable, it's right? Fairly reasonable priced. It's it's not, you know, and how often do we really get together with all of our friends and family? Anyway, we're all busy with lives and work and everything else. So, you know, yeah, the time we get together now may not be. Uh, that's plentiful, but I think the quality will be better. You know, instead of just like, oh, no, we're seeing each other for 20 minutes a night. Like, well, at least now when we get together, it'll be, you know, longer durations and probably more meaningful. And I and I suspect there will probably be less of this time when you get together. So less time on your cell phone, yeah. more time with, like, yep. engage with family and not trying to answer, answer that client, look at that real estate deal, hold on, I've got, you know, I've been waiting for this person. They might list with me. I'll be right back. You're probably going to be, mm-hmm. when you're when you're in Illinois now, you're going to be spending time with family, not doing as much of multitasking, running a business, as well as trying to spend time with family. I think that's huge. 
Yeah, most people won't make the decision. Like that's the they won't do it. Yeah, and it's just I mean, I don't know. People do a lot of crazier things. There's people that you know, especially in the military, people get sent overseas and don't get to see family forever, and it's not necessarily their choice. Or people with job reloads that don't have a say. At least we had a say in this, and um, we got to pick you know where we wanted to go. So what's your so now you're in a new market. You 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 yep. kind of had the balls to decide. I'm going to move across the country. Um, the grass can't be greener because there is no grass except for probably at the golf courses. Like, what's your what's your strategy to? I mean, really, on one hand, you're starting over, but I gotta believe you're starting over with a real estate professional toolbox that you wouldn't have had five years ago. But like, how are you gonna? Like, what's your what's your? You shared the schedule in Peoria. What's the schedule gonna be in Arizona? Yeah, so we've been here now for just three weeks or so. Um, you know, I think for anyone looking to make a big move like this, the number one thing was having the finances in line. You know, this is a, something we've been working on for, I don't know, a year and a half. So like I, I already sold my 67, but we, we did get rid of so much stuff in our house. We got everything done in our house, get that ready to sell, which is under contract now. Um, we cut out some frivolous spending and then I just, uh, worked even harder at just, you know, saving money. So that way, when you do get to a you know a new location, understand that it's going to take a little bit to grow your business again, and that way you're not stressed and have commission breath chasing deals. But with that said, I'm operating as if I don't have you know that money set aside. I don't have a year and a half worth of living expenses sit there, so I keep very little money in my checking account, and that's what I look at. It's like holy shit, I gotta get to work. I gotta get to work. And you know, once I was able to. You know, it is an adjustment getting, you know, a new, getting into a new home, new city, you know, new office, getting all the things, you, the foundation of, you know, your website set up, all your, all your other stuff that needs to get done, but it's just annoying. But now my schedule is, you know, I get five o'clock, go to the gym, come home, eat with the girls. I don't quite get to offices early. So I'm not calling for sale owners expires here. Just, you know, those trees don't really produce fruit right now. <laughs> and, uh, but I am running like Facebook ads on several things. I'm calling those leads. I said different referral leads coming in. And then uh, YouTube is my main uh, focus for business. Do you have an ad buy on Google for YouTube ads or are you just buying um, ad space on Facebook? Organic, uh, on YouTube and then uh, just Facebook lead ads for right now. What are the Facebook ads driving to uh, a call rich? Or are they going to a landing page or yeah, uh, yep, a lead form? So when someone clicks on whatever info I'm providing, either it's a, Hey, see all these cool homes and Gilbert under you know, 600,000 or you know, rent to purchase program, depending on what it is, but yeah, it goes to a form. They fill that out and I know their intent. I get all their information. It gets sent to my CRM. And then they are automatically reached out to by my AI and uh, I get notified. And then I can follow up with them and try and convert them. So, and there, and there's a few, yeah, I mean, there's a few big pieces there. So you, you probably didn't have that system when you got started, but right. I would imagine, I mean, right now you, you can run an ad and you have a, a place the ads go to a, mm -hmm. I, a landing page or a form. They populate the form. That information goes into your CRM. So it's building your contact database you're leveraging yep. technology via AI to start the process of hopefully leading to a phone call and an appointment with you. So those are some of the tools that you probably didn't have getting started in Peoria that you do have today. Yeah, it was, uh, well, right before I left uh, 
you know, when I knew I was leaving the PD, I was able to plug into a system though that did have that capability. Um, not to the level this one has, but um, you know, I taught myself how to run Facebook ads and you know, trial and error, and pay attention to the cost per lead. And all right, this ad did really well with this photo or text, and this ad didn't. So understanding what would get clicks and leads and what wouldn't, and you know, and I'm trying to work that here. I'm like, all right, what's the uh, a good average cost per lead here and not just looking at cost per lead you know, over time i'll look at our right, cost per closing because that's really what matters you know i can have all the leads in the world but if they're not closing or if they're uh, not what i'm looking for it doesn't really matter that's kind of like the uh people on instagram that have tens of thousands of followers but they're not making any money and they struggled on like i have conversations yeah. with them like listen you if you have tens of thousands of followers and they're all happy to buy from you customers that awesome that's awesome but if you have tens of thousands of followers and there's nothing happening from a business transaction standpoint you have the wrong followers and your content message is misdirected um right in in your case when when you look at your facebook ad buy are what's are you willing to share what your monthly ad budget is or daily budget is or do you want to keep that uh, you know yeah i don't care sure i just actually shut it off uh, was I was working some other things. So I have no Facebook ads running currently, but I want to say it's pretty cheap. It was like, uh, like a, only 150 a month, give or take. That's what your ad buy was. Yeah. And you were in, how many leads would you get out of that? Uh, so I got 150 leads over the three months. So 50 a month and you're, you're, cost per mm -hmm. acquisition was 450 that's that's killer no it was uh disregard that uh i was spending double that a month so 300 a month so i'll i yeah. i would take 900 dollars for that amount of leads that's pretty good i think it's, it's a little bit higher uh cost per lead that i'm used to in illinois in illinois i could it was easy for me to generate one to two dollar leads um but again this is based on that type of ad. So I'll learn more, you know, as more time goes on, I get more data and kind of look at my, all right, here's what I can expect. Cool. But I just wanted something, you know, I've about a hundred, you know, 50 leads now in my database. So I want something uh, at least to be able to work and working, understanding most Facebook buyers are not, not all, but most are not looking to contract right away. They're usually six months out or so at least. But they're into your they're into your ecosystem and they're at least aware of you. Yep. So when that time comes, you, you can earn the possibility to be the agent. Yeah, and hopefully they're staying, you know, on my website, they're getting emails with properties. And then, you know, whenever I put a new video up on YouTube, it gets embedded into my website as a blog or vlog. And then, you know, if people are scrolling for homes for sale, then those pop up also. So get again, another chance for them to see like, all right, do I like this guy? Like, yeah, or no, I actually Kind of seems like a douchebag, my fellow, and that's fine. <laughs> that yeah, who cares? I mean, there, there's plenty of yeah. there's plenty of other people. Yeah, no, we're not all. You can't be everything to everyone. No, and so when you look at so, if you put a video on YouTube, is the process for that to go into a video blog, a vlog, and then sent out an email? Is that all automated? Are you manually connecting the? Dots? Um, yeah, someone else can. Someone else handles that for me. Um but I have not really sent it out in an email form yet just because I I want my video to be found by the right people, you know, people who are searching that content. So that way my channel keeps getting pushed to those people. Um, just like I don't share my YouTube link on Facebook because I don't necessarily want my friends clicking that link. 
And then the algorithm's like, all right, we're going to send them. Like, no, I want people who are uh, looking like qualified leads. Yeah, I want people who are looking, you know, searching YouTube. Like, oh, you know, what's it like living in Gilbert, Arizona? I don't want necessarily, you know, I want it sent to those folks organically. And I think that that back to my example of the social media person with a significant following that's trying to make a living with whatever they're putting on social media and, and having a huge disconnect. And it's you're actively avoiding that situation. In their case, they're getting tons of followers, but they're not they're not they're not qualified leads. They're people that are never going to do business with them. And and we've got you know, I, I've got examples. We, we have one eight figure business. We helped grow 29% last year in annual revenue. So it's millions and millions of, of revenue increase in a year. And we do very little on Facebook and social media just because that, that's not right for the market. So it's smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think for people watching this, what Rich has shared is gold. Like he's avoiding his YouTube channel from being polluted by people, but he's avoiding bad data. Like he's only, he only wants the good people that will possibly be a customer and nobody else. And the reason I'm doing that, cause I did it wrong on at first with my other channel where I was sharing the link and other, you know, on Saturdays, like certain Facebook groups and for real estate, it's like, Oh, share YouTube. And everyone subscribed to everyone. I'm like, why do I have all these real estate agents subscribing to this channel? And like, it, it just didn't make, but, you know, I want to get to hundred subs so I could do a custom domain or whatever. It's just, but you don't know what you don't know. It's more ego thing. And yes, yeah, sucks growing a YouTube channel from zero. Um, but whatever, everyone starts at zero. But if you start at zero and you get to a thousand and that thousand rep is people that are actually going to be in the market in the next 18 months to buy or sell a home, that's far better than having 5,000 that are friends, family in another state, other real estate agents across the country that are never going to list or buy from you. So I think it's smart. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's, I think we learn things like that as we go. But I, I think a lot of first time or newer entrepreneurs, they just want the subscriptions on YouTube. They want the, so they want the followers on Instagram and on Facebook. And they, they don't realize that if those people aren't going to be customers, you shouldn't worry about them. Who cares? Yeah, only unless, I mean, it's great if they know someone moving here, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's not what my direction is right now. Yeah, it'd be great to have, you know, 10,000 subs. Um, but if it gets me zero business, then that's not exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah, it's useless. They're, they're just going to clog up your CRM and they're going to take space at some point. I, I don't know what your limit is for contacts in your CRM, but it, I know um, one of the softwares we used, every time we cross another 10,000, I got to pay more money. And I'm fine paying more money if those things are making us money and they're qualified leads, but if they're just someone taking a spot that I eventually pay for, it's a waste. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can have quite a few. Um, I have no idea what that is though, but I'm a long ways away. I I would imagine it's in the thousands. Yeah, uh, my Peoria part has 5,000 that's good so what are you going to do with the peoria piece you going to keep that business active yeah so i still have that website so if the outside looking in you think i'm still there but i'm really not doing any content for peoria i'm not really putting anything out uh i brought an agent on 
just, and he's my referral partner there. So, you know, you call me, Hey Rich, I'd like to talk about selling my house. Awesome. You know, that's great. You know, I have my referral agent or my uh, agent partner in Peoria, Brian, I'll put him in touch with you. He's awesome. He's who I would hire to, you know, handle my own properties. You know, we've expanded into Phoenix, as you know, and uh, so he'll be my boots on the ground there. So that's what I'm doing with, with all my Illinois business. And then he kicks me a 25% referral and, and so it's happy. business. It's business. He wouldn't have had if it wasn't for your efforts in website yeah. and you get to awesome make a little so everybody wins. Yeah. And it's, I'm not, I'm not spending ad spend there. I'm not you know paying for any office space or anything like that. 